Welcome to Genius Leadership, Overcoming Everything podcast. Join me every week for insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their roller coaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. I'm your host, Anna Liebel. Let's take this ride together. I'm happy you're tuning in for yet another episode of this show. And this time I'm again bringing the recording of the webinar that we did in December 2020. This time I have a guest, a dear friend of mine, Alena Ipanova. She's the CEO of Synergizer, a global leadership and team development consultant, trainer in intercultural competence, and a truly global citizen. She's from Russia herself and living in Sweden, uh, has lived in Asia and is hopefully moving there soon with her family once the borders are open enough for that. We have connected with Alona through a common friend who just said, girls, you really need to meet each other. And I was just about to move from Sweden to Iceland, so I didn't want to create new friendships. But since Julia recommended, I trusted her <laughs> judgment and decided to meet Alona. And I was very happy that we actually did meet. So it was just one meeting in real life, in physical life that we've done before I moved away. And it was just amazing. You know, this kind of connection that you get on a deep level with a person from the first moment you see them. That's what happened with us. And I'm very happy and grateful that we have kept in touch since then and finding time to talk quite often, despite us being in different countries, both having small kids, having our businesses to run. Uh, it's all working out. And this is really amazing. Yet another, another example of what the technology does for us nowadays. So this conversation is about feedback. And our goal was to turn it all upside down so that we turn feedback from food to friend for in people's heads. And for that, we discuss a lot of parts of it. So I want you to pay attention to the definition that Alona is giving to feedback. For her, it's a tool for improvement and a conversation. And if you think about feedback as conversation, and the tool to improve, it just takes so much of this negative connotation to it, to the word itself. So I really hope that you take that out from this conversation. Really turn it from being something negative that you have to to do in a tough way or, I don't know, um, just make someone else upset because you need to tell them something bad. No, it's a conversation and it's your way to serve, to serve the other person and help them improve. And especially as a leader, you can see yourself in a position of serving your team, your people, and feedback is crucial for that. Apart from that, we discussed the different models. So you might have heard about sandwich model when you want to give some constructive feedback and you need to sandwich it between positive and positive. We also talk about SBI model created and developed by Center for Creative Leadership. SBI stands for Situation, Behavior, and Impact. We discuss where those models are applicable and when they might not work. And generally, how can you create a culture where feedback becomes a part of the DNA? And what are responsibilities that receiver and the giver are having? When is it appropriate to give feedback and when it might not be a good idea? You are going to hear comments from our listeners and our attendees from the webinar. They share their experiences, their insight from our conversation, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy it. And as always, you'll find some golden nuggets that will help you stay the genius leader you are. Enjoy. We're going to be here for around one hour uh, and uh, we'll cover the F word topic, which I'm super excited for. And I hope that uh, by the end of this hour, you will leave really excited about giving and receiving feedback. And you will know what kind of models there are for giving and receiving feedback, how you build the culture where that is appreciated and effective, what you need to consider in terms of cultural differences, personalities, and so on. And just take away the drama <laughs> out of this topic and really make it something positive that you're looking forward to being both on the receiver and the giver side. And the first question will be more about my general topic of 
passion and expertise about leadership. And Alona, I would love to get to know your definition of what is leadership and who is a leader? Yeah, leadership is a very complex topic, you know, <laughs> and um, the definition of it, leader, actually leader, everyone can be a leader. So it's not about a talent, but I would say the key aspect which you covered uh, during your first webinar a couple of weeks ago was about self-leadership. So this is something that is the key aspect of it all. This is something from where you build on um, other skills. You need to learn how to lead yourself. Uh, you need to have sufficient self-knowledge, uh, knowing your emotional reactions, knowing your preferences, knowing where you stand, what your values are. Then you will be able to lead others in a more inclusive way. Um, and understand also what are their needs, what are their struggles, uh, what are the best ways to support them. So this is a skill that you need to develop, and this is a muscle that you can develop. And uh, I'll tap into this development point, but while we're discussing the leadership in general, guys, please drop your comments uh, in the comments, your definition of feedback, because that's what we're going to be focusing on, and we would love to know what you think about what is feedback actually and tapping into what you talked about now Alona regarding the skills that are to be developed I get this question quite often isn't it so that not everyone can be a leader and there are people who are kind of helpless <laughs> in that way I'm, I've heard that and I'm laughing because some people do believe that some people can't be leaders ever so what do you think about that uh, I do believe that if you really want to if you're willing to, at least self-leadership, this is no question. Uh, if you want to live your life fully, if you want to create value for yourself and for others, then there's no other way to learn self-leadership, to reflect on it, to, you know, map your way forward. And then suddenly you might notice that, I would say, you know, one phrase of um, Marshall Goldsmith really like sticks with me that great leaders uh, often are unnoticeable mm -hmm. in terms of that you kind of you lead others but they feel that yes all my skills and all my competences whatever I'm capable of I'm managing it myself with a strong support and this is a True leadership, uh, in my opinion, when with the empathy and trust, you can support people in the way that they're actually managing to reach where they want to. And you are unnoticed in this sense. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful perspective. First of all, the first perspective that you talked about, that self-leadership, we can be leaders of our own lives and everyone can be that and should be that. So that's that's a great point. And then you can start with that. If you feel like you're not a good leader, not a natural leader, think about that perspective. How can I lead myself? How can I lead my life? And focus on those skills that will help you in that area. And we can guarantee that that will actually create ripple effects on the others in your life, both in private and in your personal or in your work life. Yeah, that's a very great perspective. So I've seen here in the comments, Valerie says, feedback is a gift. That's a beautiful perspective. What are you doing here? <laughs> you already know everything. <laughs> uh, Chai says, feedback is the impression we make. Tia, uh, feedback is an observation made on our performance with a view of hopefully using it as a basis for improvement. Yes, yes, guys, you're all on the right track. We love it. So Alona, what is feedback for you? You know, like I also get this question quite often, <laughs> what is actually feedback? And then um, I would say we can look at feedback as a tool for improvement. But then um, my definition or something that is closer to my heart is feedback is a conversation. It's a dialogue. It's there are two sides, two parties that participate in, in the process. So it's not about like, being a manager, delivering feedback to your employee, and that's it. I've done my job. I delivered feedback. Now I expect that you act upon it. Uh, this is a conversation which involves uh, talking and listening. And I would say in equal parts, this is a discussion 
in order to use feedback as a tool for the development, we need to create this open space to have this conversation and to have this discussion. So this is what feedback is um, in my perspective. That's a beautiful perspective, I think. I think I've already said it a couple of times about your, <laughs> your comments here, but um, just generally turning it around and, and seeing it as a conversation that probably makes it much easier for many people when we really believe in that. Okay, this is a conversation and we have a goal of improving and maybe deepening our relationship, then that's really, really, it can be much, much easier and much more joyful to actually having feedback conversations. <laughs> So I'm just going to read what uh, Anupama says here. When you get feedback, simply say thank you. No one expects you to take every part of it just because it's given. That's also a quote from Marshall Goldmith. Yeah, I think we'll discuss that about receiving feedback a, a bit further on. So that's a great quote uh, and as a reminder. Thanks a lot, Anupama. So Alona, many people probably know or when they think about feedback, they probably think about the sandwich model. That's something that, at least in Europe, people have learned quite a lot. Like if you want to give some negative feedback or corrective feedback, sandwich it with positive in the beginning and in the end. Mm. Can you talk about the pros and cons of that model? And I'm pretty sure there are more models that we will discuss today. So what are they and what should we think about? When using them. Uh, thanks, thanks for bringing it um, bringing it up. Uh, sandwich indeed is something that we so got used to. Um, even though there are many more models, um, more valuable, I would say, to use in the context, in the organizational context. And with sandwich model, I actually would like to touch upon these parts, like positive and negative, and to give some examples, because I, um, I enjoy having conversations with people when we run workshops how they would like to get feedback. And for some of them, it works fine to get feedback in this way. Uh, for others, it works uh, totally opposite. So they say, okay, if I know that in my organization, they give feedback in this way, uh, when my manager starts with positive feedback, I already expect that I will get negative part now. So I can't really embrace the positive part. Mm -hmm. It feels unnatural. It feels that's something that is needed to be said. Pick in the box. Yeah, and then negative parts come and then all the emotions go there. And so it works different for different people. And I'll say it's important here to know your own preference. What's my preference in receiving feedback? What's my preference in giving feedback? Because very often we also judge like, oh, this person is not good enough at uh, giving feedback because every time I feel so down. But then you can take responsibility as well and say, look, um, this style doesn't work for me. This is how I would like to get feedback or this is how um, I would experience more positive feeling about it. I would be more motivated about it. Uh, so it's good to express your preference as well. And um, with the sandwich model, I would also say that people who got used to, uh, I used to talk about preferences generally like it's quite sensitive when we talk about intercultural communication because it's not about cultures that meet it's people who meet we are conditioned by our cultures and we got used to certain ways how things are done here and there with sandwich model one example could be um, if for instance you got used to direct negative feedback or corrective feedback something that is straightforward. You just got used to it and this is normal around you. And then you move to another organization, to another country where um, they try using sandwich model, for instance, positive, negative, positive. And then you just can't interpret this feedback. You can't really receive it because you are not in that mindset. You got used to direct negative feedback, so you take it as positive. Mm, okay, I'm going to get a promotion. And then next time you get this style of feedback again, suddenly, suddenly I'm going to get a promotion. And I have such cases when people misinterpret their feedback and managers wonder, but we had session like three times and nothing improved. Mm. So it can be, you know, this pros and cons here with like direct and indirect style. Um, and generally, I think that um, it's good to, why don't we give positive feedback just on its own, like standalone feedback? 
So this is the question, like, why don't we practice that? It's a very good question. Uh, you mentioned that it's good to understand how, what, what would land for you as a person and discuss it with those who give you feedback. Now I might be jumping a bit too early in our, uh, the next plan but, or next idea that we wanted to discuss, but when is it, a, or how do you build the culture where it's okay? How do you build relationships with people where you can actually talk about your preferences and your needs when it comes to feedback? Mm, it's a very good question. You build it, like we can, we can tell that you build it by example, you integrate it into organizational culture. When we generally talk about feedback culture, it means that the whole organization and all the levels is open to feedback, is open to have a conversation. Uh, but generally, it comes down to people as well. So it's a, it's a question like what comes first, uh, chicken or egg? Because imagine if you're a person who is really like willing to work on feedback, to provide feedback and open to receive feedback, but you are in the organization which is closed to that, organization that is not ready for that, then you just start adapting to that level because your effort will not play out really well. And then if you imagine that organization is rich in feedback culture and a person comes there, even the person who doesn't get used to this type of communication style or like open environment, then you adapt to this as well. So I would say it should be work, uh, some work done on both fronts. And um, generally uh, talking about that, This is what I notice from uh, whenever I do a workshop or training on feedback or on team development, and we get team together and we discuss these things. They say, oh my God, we haven't done it. Like we work on this project for the third year. We have never done it. And now I understand myself better, my own preferences, and I understand how my teammates actually work and what works for them. Just initiating such conversations would be a very good first step to talk about preferences. Yeah, that's great. And it's important. It, it all comes to really discussing things, right, in the end of the day. <laughs> And as we said, feedback is also a conversation. So it's good to create the culture where you can have different kind of conversations. And I will just check the, the comments here because we have a lot of... Uh, Marie is saying, in the sandwich model, the positive feedback is not feeling genuine, feels that you need to find something, whatever, to be able to give the corrective feedback. Yeah, exactly. That's what you said, Aliona, that the perception of people are like that often. Feedback also provides information that can open dialogue, helps with improvement and promotes loyalty, Carlotta says. And I, I love that improvement and promoting loyalty. That's that's beautiful side effects <laughs> of, of having the feedback culture in your relationships or at work place great guys keep keep those comments coming I, i love reading what what else is here in the chat i wanted to tap into other models we discussed a bit of feedback or the the sandwich model now alona how people what people need to be aware of when they trying to use that what are the other models that people can use i think it's worth mentioning the model which is called SBI and now it's widely used by many organizations. SBI stands for Situation, Behavior, Impact. So basically this model gives you a ground for discussion and for having a conversation by describing the situation, what, how do you see the situation, what behavior do you observe and what impact uh, does it make. And having discussion in that, in that area, basically, the main, the main focus or the main goal with this model is to take out the emotional part. But I would say it's, it's a good model generally because feedback shouldn't be focused on a person. It should be focused on behavior, on the action, because uh, we are giving feedback to someone or we are receiving feedback. We want to be able to act upon this feedback. We want feedback to be actionable, practical. We want to know what can we do in order to improve, in order to change, uh, in order to uh, make something even better. Uh, so this model 
is widely used. From practical perspective, what I see, what is going on, that some organizations would like to, would give this model to teams, to management, encouraging them to use this model. So they are given the task to, for instance, okay, until the next developmental talk that we have, you need to give feedback to at least um, like five other team members, for Mm -hmm. instance. And probably it's a good way just to encourage people to think about that and how they give feedback. But many share that they feel lost because they feel that now I have to do it. I have to give feedback and I don't know how. Yeah, exactly. They, it's not about having to do it. It's more about not knowing how to do it in a good way. Yeah. So this is, the, uh, this is the challenge. And it brings us to delivery. How do we deliver feedback? It's not about like sometimes what I say, but also how I say it, how I deliver it. And here, emotions can play a role, even though we try to get them out with using some specific models that focus only on actionable parts, on behavior and on the situation, trying to be more objective. But still, emotions might play a role there. And also, when we, when we are having feedback in face-to-face mode, for instance, or online, when we see another person, like talking about culture, like cultural perspective, we also, like, we get these signals, some emotional cues. And we used to say emotional intelligence is very important, or I would say cultural intelligence is very important. But the thing is that we interpret what we see based on our own reality, based on how we see these emotions. But the thing is that if you are super emotionally intelligent in your language, in your culture, it doesn't mean that you have the same level of emotional intelligence when you're speaking the third language and you are talking to a person coming from different cultural background, we do have universal emotions, right? But the way we disguise them is very different. And it depends, we learn it from our culture. I will shoot some examples here. For instance, if you deliver feedback with which another person doesn't agree or even the feedback or you're saying something that makes another person angry, for instance, if you do it, I don't want to go to generalizations about culture, but let's say a person who's, who's coming from a very hierarchical structure where with a high power distance, where like showing, like raising the tone of voice and using extensively body language, it shows the power. I've got the power. I'm, I'm the main person here. So if uh, you give feedback to this kind of person, for instance, then the reaction would be very expressive and anger or something, but it's just, it doesn't mean, you know, the intention might be totally different, but you might perceive it in a very different way if you got used to this kind of calm, peaceful communication style, uh, not expressive body language and things like that. So you will be taken off guard. And then you're giving feedback to another person from the culture where Expressing anger is considered to be a weakness. So you face this feedback with a smile. And probably you got used to the thing that uh, you can't question your superior. You just accept what's coming your way. So let me do you. I want to actually tap into because one of the comments here was, let me find it. Yeah, Marie was saying in some organizations, it was okay to give feedback from top and down, but not the other way then you get a stamp that you're not a team player. Then it is hard to change the organization from lower leader positions. So this is something that you're talking about here at the moment, about the hierarchy and so on. So what could people do in practice to to start changing that? And especially if you are in those lower levels, like maybe some kind of mid-management position where you're not having all the freedom in the world to change the whole organization. Yeah, again, it's through the conversation. And I would say there are also, if we talk about organizational culture, organizational structure, there are structures that are very fixed and there are structures that are more flexible. And then it's, again, it's a question about what is possible here in which period of time. But people should be, first of all, they should be willing and they should be open to uh, make this change possible. And if we talk from middle layer, for instance, uh, then we need to look at, okay, what kind of culture I can create in my team? 
with my people? How can I bring it to the top and show the value of it? So this could be something. And I know many people who are trying to do that. And at the same time, I'm, I know many people who uh, say that, you know, I don't thrive in this environment. And basically, this organization filled in with people who thrive in this environment. And there's nothing wrong with that. It works. It works for them. It works for people who are there because they uh, take in this style. And I will go and I will try to find the environment where I thrive or I create this environment for myself, mm -hmm. like starting my own company or startup or uh, it can be different scenarios there. And what you talked about showing the effects to the top, to the top manager also, Marie, was uh, mentioning here that SBI works really well between two teams that have communication issues and could be done without pinpointing individuals. And she's writing that they have tested that between Gothenburg team and Bangalore team and moved from problem to super good relationship. And that's amazing to see. So basically you're taking out the emotions and if it's done in a good way that really can build a bond and people can really find the way, ah, here we can actually talk and we can hear each other. And actually would love to give a personal example here about how the change can be made from lower levels a bit of a back history. When I was a teenager, my dad used to say that I would have problems in my life because I'm too straightforward. <laughs> and right, he was. <laughs> when I um, finished my education in Sweden and started working, I was in a man-dominated environment. I was often one of the youngest or the youngest in the in the room. So one of the few or the only female, one of the few or the youngest age-wise and also with an international background and it was a bit difficult to to get respect and to be listened to especially because I, I'm, I was at that moment in the first role I was project coordinator so I was supposed to get information from anyone everyone communicate with everyone and make things work in a quite a complex environment in the team and it was difficult and I saw a lot of resistance from some guys of 50 plus They've been in the company for 30 years, more than I was on the planet at that moment. And with them, I, for example, talked more. It, you could say it was a bit of a political example or political behavior. I just tried to become friends with them on their terms and then slowly get them from their beliefs of how feedback should be done and how the relationship should be built, how the deliverables should be done to do it in a way that would benefit the whole team and how I believe that it would work. So I really needed to be much softer and gentler instead of showing with a full hand of mine what should be done for the sake of the team deliverables. With them, I would just take conversations one-to-one -one and then ask how I can help you and how I can support you. Okay, this is delivery. What do you need from, from the team? From whom? Who should I talk to to make it easier for you? Because I know how busy you are. It was about seeing their needs and showing my respect to them. And once they understood that I'm not there just to kind of manage them and not do anything myself, which was a bit of a belief of some people, and I'm there to help them actually, it was much easier for me to educate them on how we can work together as a team, me, them, and the rest of the team. So it's a process. You need to be patient. <laughs> you sometimes need to adjust and sometimes feel like you're stepping on your own toes a bit like and keeping your mouth shut, shut at some points. But that's the way to build it up. It, it, it's a process, as I said, you, you, you can't do it overnight. And just as you, Alona, said, it's not like I said, okay, now we do feedback this way or like we do feedback five to five people per day or per week on the team. And that happens. You need to learn and get used to. And that comes to the question that I've just seen here from Chai. Does this mean that feedback is a matter of habit? It is actually. It is something that should be practiced. I mean, think about why, like... Why so many people feel, at least like every time I do this poll among my training participants, on every training, I have like from 50 to 100 people on each and 90%, around like 80, 90% say that they have negative association with feedback. And then we start discussing, okay, why is it so? And this is a good question because people just uh, see it as um, uh, maybe once a month action or like once per two months action and something that they didn't get used to. 
we just like, we should make feedback normal around us. It should be integrated and it shouldn't be just, you know, performance feedback once a month or only corrective feedback. So it should be a very good balance uh, between appreciation, like positive feedback, and not only in terms of, oh, you're doing great. But then what exactly am I doing great? It's like, you know, bringing your kids like when I when I say to my four-year-old, when she like shares something and I say, oh, you're so attentive or, oh, you're so caring because you're doing this and that. So she understands that it's not just, you know, you're doing great. And I think the same is applied to um, everyone. Like be more specific. Uh, what are the actions that the, this person uh, did, which you consider being great or which you appreciate? And plus to this, many people share that they also feel uncomfortable getting positive feedback. And this is something to work on. And when we practice, when we make it a habit, then we will be able to do it authentically, genuinely, and appreciate whether we are getting positive feedback or corrective feedback. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's something that I have to work with a lot of my clients, the high performers who have high self-confidence, but a bit struggling with the self-esteem and they don't have this strong image of themselves as the human being. So whenever they get feedback, positive, it's a compliments, it doesn't stick to anything inside. It feels awkward, weird. So they kind of try to turn around and start saying, oh, no, I just it was easy for me to do it and ah, there was nothing and, and so on and so forth. And it's something that you can train guys. You can really work on that and, and get better at that. And, and that you do by strengthening your self-esteem. So you have this inner core and then those compliments stick because they have something to, you have some, you have something within yourself to relate to when people compliment you and compliment your, your work. And as you said, you need to be specific. And then do we have some quite some more questions here about the empathy, for example? Uh, Chai is asking, what role does empathy play in model like SPI, where we keep emotions aside? Empathy plays a huge role. Thanks for this question. It's um this is the I would say the ability to build trust and relationships, empathy and good communication skills are those main pillars for not only for feedback culture, but generally for creating open, pleasant environment and like psychological safety uh, for people to like, to feel that, okay, here I can be who I am and I am accepted for who I am. And this is something where empathy plays a key role. I would say. In terms of SBI, Chai, if you can specify it more, so I will answer your question in the frame, like in my understanding, if it's something that you would like us to specify more, like feel free to unmute and we can have a conversation. Uh, In terms of SBI, keeping emotions aside means that we are not like aiming like to hurt a person, like saying like, you know, you're like, you are this and that, and you didn't make it work. And so it's more using of I messages and using more objective space to place the situation, uh, to place everything that happened into more objective space. Like this is what happened. This is the actions that we see. And this is the um, impact. So what do we do about that? But here you are still empathetic as a leader, acknowledging the emotions, the state of another person, acknowledging the intentions and kind of not really like pointing back into the past. Like, okay, why, why, why did you do so? And this, okay, this is what we have. How do we solve it? How we improve it? What's the way forward for us? So it's also connected to a mindset. So we we need to be empathetic, and this is a very important in a relationship building area. So generally, being empathetic as a leader, as a team member, empathetic to yourself and to people around you, very important. And I think this touches a bit on the question that Ishita had. The question was: in a model like SBI, if emotions and the person aspect aspects are removed from feedback, could it risk dehumanizing the conversation? Could that one 
uh, how, and what could one do to avoid that? And I think you started answering that question. It's not about dehumanizing the the discussion. It's more switching from blaming to explaining exactly. my perspective on the situation. And that's very important part of what SBI helps with the framing that it provides. It really shows my perspective on things. So I'm saying, hey, you've done this, and that makes me feel this way. <laughs> so basically, you are turning it to this is my perception yeah. and it opens up for the conversation. So you kind of give the space for people to explain or to reflect on, okay, aha. So my actions were resulting in this reaction or this emotion uh, for this person. So you can actually have a discussion and it's not about blaming the person anymore. And it's not about saying it's your own fault. It's more about opening up. Okay. Hey, this is my feelings. This is my observation. What what is your point here? Yeah, what is your point? How I can support you in this? What what would you like me to help you with so that like next time we can improve? Mm-hmm. So it should be, you know, it should be not a divisiveness. And because when we we also have ego and it plays a part here, and most of the time we might be on autopilot, and then probably something happened in the morning and you're not in a good mood. We all have this like human factor. So it's good to give each other space generally in the conversation. One more concept comes to mind here, uh, safe space. It is called safe space. And basically what, like, what I see, I use it in coaching as well, And some people take it in the teams uh, or in the relationships also. And they ask for safe space. Okay, I really need safe space, which means that I really, I'm here as I am. I'm going to share what I feel, how I feel, what happened. And I'm asking for safe space, which means there won't be any judgment. There will be acceptance. And we can move forward with that. So when people hear that safe space, they kind of, they get prepared that, okay, now I'm here, I'm listening, and I'm not going to judge. So I'm trying to take it openly, as open as I can. And for some, it works. For others, they feel that, no, we don't, we don't really need it. They find some other methods. So it varies from team to team, uh, from person to person but something that can be uh, used. And I would say, I'm getting into practical tips here. You know, I mentioned about that, that uh, the responsibility lies on both sides when it comes to feedback. And for instance, when you hear feedback which you don't agree with, or probably something that mm, touches you deeply and you feel like, no, this is like, it causes some negative emotions, then you might... Because, you know, we don't know about the intentions, right? We used to say that the intention is very important. It is important, but then we judge others based on their actions, based on their words, based on how they express this, the thoughts and things like that. We don't know about the intention. So here it would be a good way to say, thank you for your feedback. This is what I heard. And you rephrase, you, you put it, you know, in the way how you took it. And you give, each other, you give each other a chance to explain and to discuss, to open up conversation. Because when you get this negative kind of feeling inside you, it causes the divisiveness. Mm. You really want to, like, we want to protect ourselves. Because this is how our brain works. That, oh, it's my safety. And now, like, it's breaking. I'm, I need to protect myself. And here it actually comes to the question, or you are now starting to answer one of the questions here. Kamini was asking, when one tries to respond to feedback, uh, is it considered as being defensive? Would you agree to this? Or is it okay to give some justification if you feel strongly about it? So maybe you can develop a bit more on this. very, Very good question. So here you can use this one. Just not, I mean, when you start, um, when you put the conversation into position right and wrong, it's not going to be productive. So we want to have open conversation. Feedback means we are open to change. 
in this way, we can take it constructively, we can be productive with that, we can really come up to something meaningful. Mm-hmm. And this is the point with feedback, not to like blame each other in something. Uh, so rephrasing what you heard would be uh, one of the points here. And then you can just, if you are the one who is receiving feedback, you can say, I have some thoughts that I would like to share. May I do that? Because in some cases, I would say, if you have good relationships, if you have trust, uh, then it will be easier to initiate from both sides. But also if you are the one who are providing feedback, it's good to check in. It's not like your job is not done when you just delivered feedback. Yeah. It's good to check in how it has been received. What are the thoughts that the other person have in mind? Or what are some things? And it's totally fine to disagree. It's good. It provides them uh, food for thought and conversation. And also, I would say, from a manager perspective, it's interesting to see how you are perceived by your team or by your employees as a manager in your feedback giving style, mm. for instance. And definitely it comes to people's skills. Uh, you can't apply the same strategy, uh, like you can use the same model, right? If we talk about SBI, for instance, you can use the same model, but you use it differently with different people. So here, empathy, communication skills play a role, how well you understand another person, how well you read the cues, how well you can address certain things. So this is something that we need to work more on developing, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a never-ending job or work, right? Journey. And it's exciting. It's, it's, it's exciting and it's fun when you see the, the result of it, how you actually manage to engage people more into the process, just changing slightly, like adding up these twists and integrating this um, feedback into daily like work routines. Mm-hmm. These changes happen and people feel these shifts. Yeah, and it it definitely, it is a game changer when you approach it as the continuous loop that you just keep improving. It's just making, as you said, it's, it's creating a lot of energy. It's very inspirational, both for your own personal development and for the others around you, because you really improve the communication with each other. You you get better collaboration and, and better team energy. So there are a couple of questions here that I would like to ask, ask to discuss. One is Chai is asking, is asking for safe space, something like exposing one's vulnerabilities? We can say so. Uh, thank you so much, Chai. You're very active uh, with questions today. Yeah, I'm, it is. And being vulnerable, it's also, you know, it's not about, oh, look at me, poor me. I, I made a mistake or something. No, being vulnerable is being um, who you are in the, in any situation and just, you know, admitting your mistakes because we know that in some cultures or in some organizational culture, it's, you know, if you're on a leading position, you can't really like make mistakes. And it is, the, there is a research that shows that um, it was a question asked, uh, like, should a manager have answers to all the questions? And then you can see the range with like cultures. It's been run in different, uh, in different countries that in some cultures, yes, definitely 90%, the manager must have answers to all questions. And it comes to the point here that you simply, you can't know everything, just admitting that, okay, I made a mistake. So what should we do about that? Uh, or this is how I feel about the situation. I really want to improve and I need your help. Mm. So this is what vulnerability is uh, in this context. So, and many misinterpret it in a way that it's a weakness, but it's not. Unfortunately, some cultures have it perceived as a weakness and I see a huge shift in that. It's it's changing and I'm happy to see this shift. And I was thinking of mentioning here that to be vulnerable or to ask for the safe space, you often need the psychological safety in the team or in the organization. And that's something that both you, Alona, and I are working a lot quite with our clients 
to really nurture and create that culture that supports the psychological safety so that people feel safe to be themselves, to voice their opinions, even if they go against the the vast majority in the team. And people feel appreciated for that. And even if people disagree, they still respectfully listen to each other. And this is one of those crucial points or crucial parts of culture that would support creating the safe space and actually asking for that in a healthy way. So there is another comment here from Guri. It's always a good idea before giving corrective feedback to ask for permission. And I think it's a very good point, Guri, that it should be people should be ready. So we in our head already thought through maybe the whole SBI, <laughs> following the whole the SBI model to think through how we should give this feedback, but maybe it's a very bad day for that person. So it's very good to actually ask for this permission because people are not on the same page as we necessarily. And then it's very important to to know about yourself, as you talked earlier about self-leadership, Alona, to actually know yourself well enough on the receiving side to say, hey, no, actually, no, it's not a good time. Let's take it later. So that you don't say, yes, give it to me just because the person asked you. It's important to, to have the mechanisms and to have the habit of doing those internal checks to know how are you feeling at the moment and are you ready? Do you have the capacity to take in the corrective feedback? Yeah, exactly. You know, Anna, I would like to add one more thing here. Like when we talk generally about relationships, because uh, here it comes to our preferences or to our styles or something that I notice a lot as one of the crucial factors when I work across cultures or like facilitating multicultural teams or virtual teams like located in different um, countries. So here when we talk about, about what we got used to, might be it might be a relationship-based culture or it might be task-oriented culture where you focus on tasks and processes rather than on people, or you focus more on relationships, and then you believe that with this, automatically we get better results. And we have it inbuilt in us. It depends on different factors, all like social groups we belong to, our upbringing, and national culture might play a role. Now it's more of a global culture and it's globalization. We experience different influences, but that's why it's so important to also understand if you are, for instance, on a leading position and you have a mix of people in your group, how do you manage that? And through feedback, for instance, you can also understand that probably if you move this person to a different position, he or she will manage to fall into their full potential, to tap into their full potential and manage to succeed more in that based on certain things. And how generally you build up the team culture, for instance, when you have this mix of people, how you address this, how you facilitate open conversations and things like that. So there are different things. It's, it, it's so exciting when you get into this yeah, it's it's definitely is. And it might be scary in the beginning, but again, coming to vulnerability, talk to people and you don't have to do it in front of the whole organization. If you're leading 300 people, you don't have to send uh, a newsletter to everyone like, now I'm learning to do feedback properly. <laughs> you don't have to do it that way. You can pick a couple of people who, with whom you have a bit more of trustworthy, closer relationship and and be open with them. Hey guys, I am now practicing to to be better at giving feedback and building culture in the whole, for the whole organization to be more feedback-oriented in a way and ask for their feedback and ask them to observe you. I've been doing it in my project management role with running the meetings, doing the presentations. I would go to some of my colleagues and ask them whether they are going to be in the meeting or I actually asked them, invited them to the meeting to just be the observer. And I asked them like, hey, could you please give me feedback on this and that afterwards? Pay attention to how I communicate. Or like, for example, if I would focus on my body language, can you please focus on my body language? What does it tell you? And so on. And then afterwards, we'll just take five minutes, 10 minutes, drinking coffee, and they would go through, okay, this is what I've observed. So do that as well. 
hopefully you do have someone in your organization with whom you can practice that way, with whom you can be this kind of feedback buddy and help each other. And that's the thing. By you doing that and you improving with that, you will create the ripple effects. It doesn't have to go necessarily from top to bottom in the organization. If we talk about hierarchy, it will come from you and it will spread 360 degrees. People are learning from watching us, not listening to us, right? People do as we do, not as we say. So if you get into habit, as we discussed, feedback is habit. If you get into habit of providing feedback, asking for feedback, taking action based on the feedback that you receive, people will see the results on you and how you perform and how you behave, and they will start doing the same. So this is an exciting journey, even if it can be scary in the beginning. And I wanted to go back to one more question here with from Santi. He was, or the question was, um, is there a good or bad time to give feedback? Like not giving corrective feedback the day before someone goes on vacation. <laughs> I love that example. <laughs> yeah, we can take it up. I think we like mentioned some of the things here that feedback is best received when it's when it's asked for, or if you really want to, like you observed something and you want to give feedback. If you integrate it naturally, uh, you know, if you have it scheduled, then like no one cares whether the vacation is the next day. You have a conversation with the manager, for instance. But if you're integrated into as a continuous process into organizational culture, team culture, just you know, structuring the way you would like you would like feedback to work, uh, then you might share with another person, you know, I have some observations that I would like to share with you. Is it a good time uh, for you to take a conversation now? Or should we do it some other time? Probably tomorrow um, in the morning or at a coffee break or something. So just being genuine with that. So you're just like checking in with people. And one more very powerful point I want to bring here, it is about coaching competencies. This is the ability to check in with people, to feel it. It is empathy. It is communication. But it is also when we talk about like listening, it's not for listening what people say, not for listening the words in order to answer, but it's uh, grasping the whole picture. In coaching, we call it the third level of listening when you're able to take, to listen to a person in the situation, in the context, taking in all this energy and address certain issues. You know, I'm noticing this. Would you like to take this conversation some other time? Even though it's in your schedule, but you feel that the person is stressed, take it another time. And this is, it comes from coaching, the ability to ask powerful questions mm. when when you're a manager and you see like the employee doesn't agree with you on the feedback and expresses it directly and then you might be taken off guards and just starting reacting protecting yourself you might take a pause and say you know i feel that i need to take like fresh air should we like grab some coffee and uh, come back in 5 minutes and continue this conversation mm. And it's not about only like saving you from, you know, from this, but also providing the best, what serves best in the current situation for both of you. Mm -hmm. And here, coaching competences are very important. So that's why, like we were talking about that, like on the last webinar, on the importance to have a coach, to have a coach for the team or to have a coach, um, like personal coach or executive coach to discuss these things to assure your progress and development in this area. But I would say my aim, for instance, is to help people become coaches, like to put these seeds in there. So if we do leadership training, if we do team development training, then I want to encourage people to develop these competences. So then you go as a manager to another team and you will be able to do that. You will be able to help them in this way and spread this culture. Your team member goes to work in another, to another company. And, you know, you put these seeds everywhere. And this is like in my ideal picture, the ideal vision of how it should work with leadership and feedback is a small part of it, a very important part. 
Definitely. And you kind of, when I listen to you, I'm thinking that like you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> That's the same that I, what I'm talking about quite often. And funny enough, when I was focusing on individual coaching, people whom I would be coaching, we would talk about their personal life, but they would come back to me and say, hey, Anna, I'm getting this and those results at work because the communications improve. And I, I, I start asking questions instead of having a discussion with people, like heated discussion. I, I seek understanding and that just really transforms the relationships. And, and as, as we say, you say about seeding the, or like dropping those seeds, right? I talk about creating ripple effects because once you change your mindset about feedback, you don't switch it off when you come home, for example. You start doing the same with your partner. If, even if you get that in the, like you learn that in your professional environment, right? In your role as a leader, as a manager. So this is definitely something that transforms a lot in your life. And it works vice versa also. <laughs> when you yeah, improve it at work, it also impacts relationship because you take it as a person as a whole, right? Yeah, exactly. You're still you. Marie has been having a lot of diff- uh, wonderful insights here sharing with us. And one of them was, do not give constructive feedback weeks before making bigger organizational changes. The persons will feel that the organizational change is related to the feedback and is very hard to come out from in a good way. So basically, it's again coming to when is it appropriate to give feedback? And it's, it, it's what you have discussed as well, Alona, to, to ask about when when is it okay to to speak about things, right? And and it's the same from you as a leader. Sometimes you know, like, okay, I should be talking about this, but it's better to take it later because now there are bigger things coming in the company and it's important to tackle them in a healthy way. And then afterwards we can take the discussion on the individual level. That was a very good point. And Kamini said, excellent point on planting seeds of coaching everywhere. I have... One more question for you, Alona. I think we've covered a lot here and and I uh, see that people have learned a lot and thanking us. My question to you is, what are three pieces of advice for our listeners to help them be genius leaders? Wow. So now I need to really structure it (laughs) with three points. (laughs) um, (laughs) I have a big list. Okay, so we start from self. As we started this, this webinar, I was reflecting on self. So I would say one of the key aspects to start with, the first one would be to know your own preferences, your own style in feedback giving and feedback receiving. And to walk from this, like how, how it serves me. So this is the question that you should ask yourself. Does it serve me well? these reactions or these attitudes that I have, and then being curious about others, what works for them, what are their preferences, what they got used to, can we have an open conversation? Uh, So that would be number one. Um, And then number two is generally working on mindset around feedback. And here I would say creating this open environment and open space to have such conversations, uh, probably initiating workshops and trainings in your team, in a management team, maybe mixing people around and just talking about that because there sometimes it's quite tough to create like environment for this. But with training, for instance, it comes naturally. People open up, they talk, and then uh, if the product is like of this uh, training or workshop is something for them to reflect on and to get back to, then you can use it as a good starting point as well to have these conversations, to get back to them. And the third one I would say is making this normal, continuous feedback, really like setting focus on that for yourself discussing it with your team how do we want it to be to be to work for us how will it serve serve us best so what do we do how we integrate it and practicing these are the most important things here yeah no kind of quick checklists (laughs) here it's all the processes but that's that's how it is that's that's a sustainable answer i i love those tips thanks a lot alona so where can people find you if they want to get more of you and more of your expertise? Where should they go? So I can send my contacts in the chat. Just a moment. So here you go. You can connect with me in LinkedIn. And here is the link to my LinkedIn profile. If we are not connected 
And my email, Elena at synergizer.se um, and my website, Synergizer. So this is the, the name of uh, my consultancy company. So feel free to get in touch and uh, with any discussion, questions, I will be more than happy to continue conversation. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you want to hear more insightful conversations about leadership, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your colleagues, friends, and communities. Do you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on topics or guests? I'm happy to connect with you. You will mostly find me on LinkedIn, but also on Facebook and Instagram. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything.